Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. All right, all right, all right. Citizens, how are we doing tonight? Are we doing good for real? All right, besides the sixth grade girls, we doing good? All right, cool, cool. Hey, um, man, I hesitated to do this, but I feel like I got to. How many people have, ah, oh, I can't go there. All right, real quick, real quick. How many people have seen the new Avengers movie? Real quick, just show your hands. All right, shh, 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 shh. Hey, don't say anything. This is a safe place, okay? I want, no, no, don't say any words. I just want to know, all right? I'll wait, I'll wait. I just want to know, by using a thermometer, okay, the thermometer here, I just want to know, did you get, was that, how was that movie received by your generation? Just give me a thumb. This is like amazing. This is, this was horrible. This was 50-50. Show me. Wow. All right. So on the whole, on the whole, this was a good, decent. Yeah, it was. When they killed Batman, I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then Superman was like, no, kryptonite. And Batman's like, Rah! and I'm like, yo. And then I woke up. And then I woke up. All right, go ahead and open up your Bibles. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to the very last book in your Bible. What's up, buddy? Good to see you. Go ahead and open up your Bible to the very last book of your Bible because we are in the book of Revelation. I love when people say, I love Revelations. It's actually, there's only one. It's the Revelation. So if you ever find yourself saying, I love Revelations, people are gonna be like, that's cool, but we're talking about Revelation, right? Uh, but it is funny when you talk about the Revelations though. So uh, we're gonna be talking about the Revelation. And for the last several weeks, shh, shh, for the last few weeks, we've been going through the seven letters to the churches of Revelation. Seven letters to the churches of Revelation. And so for a few weeks here, as we look at these letters, it's as if Jesus Christ himself comes to the congregation, comes to the church, and he holds up a mirror. And in each of these letters, Jesus is going to speak the truth to them about themselves. He's going to reveal to them who they really are, what they are really like, how they come across to him. And so last week, we went through the first letter. Everybody say number one. We went through the first letter, and it was written to Ephesus, and here's what we named the letter. Here was the name I gave it. We called it Ephesus. Ephesus, where's the love? Ephesus, man, I love you guys. You guys are really good at sniffing out update theology. Remember we talked about update theology? Hey, you guys know the gospel. Update, different now. So they were really good at sniffing out update theology. They were really good about holding to the truth. Man, these are the people that would have passed every true and false test in Sunday school, and yet they weren't really loving. They loved truth, they didn't love people. And so in the first letter, Jesus Christ himself writes them a letter, and here's the big idea of that letter. You need to combine your love for truth with love for people. Everybody say number one. That's letter one, all right. 
Today, we're going to read the second letter, and it is written to a group of Christians in a city called Smyrna, okay? We could call it Smyrna. That's more fun, though it's incorrect. So for the sake of precision, we'll call it Smyrna, and Smyrna was a congregation. Smyrna was a church of Christians who were being persecuted for following Jesus, and so the letter to the Smyrnanders today, the letter to Smyrna is entitled this. Smyrna, faithful unto death. Faithful unto death. Do you guys know that there are people in this world that are being killed because they follow Jesus? Do you know that? Well, when I was in third grade, somebody called me a Jesus, hate, the, the stupid Jesus person because I follow Jesus. That's what we think of for persecution. Well, when I was a freshman in high school, somebody made fun of me in the locker room because I wanted to wait to have sex until I was married because I'm a Christian. That's the kind of persecution we think of, right? And that's legitimate. We, we experience that. And then we come to passages in the Bible where we get a little bit of perspective and we realize people are actually being put to death because they follow Jesus. My friend is a missionary um, overseas. He's a, friend, uh, uh, he's a friend, he's a missionary to Africa. And his very first year overseas, a group of people burned down their house because they found out they were Christians. Earlier that same year, before he got there, they had found they had, had a group of a mob, a, a riot, a group of people who hated Christianity. They went and dragged a pastor out of his house, burned down his house, and beat him nearly to death because he followed Jesus. Right now, as we speak, as we wear our fitteds and our Nikes and we're posting to our Instagram pages, like right now, as we're living the good life. Do you know that there are a group of pastors in another country that are sitting in storage containers? One of them in each storage container and they've been there for seven years. That can't be true. I didn't see it on CNN. You're not going to. Seven years ago, a group of pastors, when this country decided that they were gonna become socialists, when this country decided that it was now going to be illegal to be a Christian, all of the pastors who were remaining faithful were thrown into prison. I thought that would end them. It didn't end them because they started preaching to the people in prison. And so the fellow prisoners were becoming Christians. The guards who were watching them became Christians. And so the authorities said, dude, this is, this is too much. We got to take it to the next level. And so they separated them and they said, try to convert someone now. Solitary confinement. You're going to be in a storage container. And so for the last seven years, these pastors have been not heard of, not heard from, not visited. And their families, most of them assume that their husbands and fathers are dead. And some still hold out in hope because who knows? All because they're Christians. What would you say to them? What would you say to someone who is, who, whose life was at risk simply because they followed Jesus? Where would you even begin, Right? Like if today you were transported and somehow you got to go into that storage container for a 10 minute visit and what you saw almost didn't even look like humanity because they're so emaciated and their skin is falling off because they haven't been in the sun for years. What would you say to them 
as your brother in Christ, what would you say? Jesus Christ pens a letter to those kind of people. Jesus Christ writes a letter to people who are being persecuted for their faith. And tonight we get to see what he says. What would you say to them? Right? I'm sorry. <laughs> like, missionaries are my hero. Like, we love football players, right? We're like, they're so awesome. Okay? Baseball players get millions of bucks, right? The Kardashians. I still really don't understand why they're celebrity. Like, what did they do? What can they do, right? Like, we idolize people in our culture as our heroes and we want to be like them. What about the people who are being faithful to the name of Jesus Christ, even to the point of death? Those are my heroes. And tonight we get to see what Jesus Christ would say to a church full of those people. Do you want to hear what Jesus says to them? Because perhaps as you listen to what Jesus says to them, perhaps you'll be able to answer the question, what would I say to them? Here we go. Beginning in verse uh, eight, chapter two, beginning in verse eight. This is faithful unto death. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write this. The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Let's pause there, okay? Right off the bat, we look at verse eight and we are learning who the letter is from, okay? I personally, I personally like this format. In the old days, whenever you would write a letter like this, you would start off with saying, from Sam Cassis to the citizens of America, right? And that takes a lot of the guesswork out of it when right away you know who's writing this, right? Don't you realize that we do it backwards today, right? Like we put... <laughs> who the letter is from at the very bottom of our letter. Think about that, right? So you open up your email and you're like, all right, I'm gonna check my email. Ooh, unread message, beep. You open it and it's like, to the one that my heart longs for. <gasps> I've been wanting to tell you this for many years. <gasps> I think you are the most beautiful person in our school. <gasps> Who's it from, right? And you have to read on and on and on. And it's like, I want you to meet me tomorrow. Oh my gosh, just who are you already, right? And you have to like scroll all the way to the bottom. You usually don't wait. You're probably scrolling. Don't your eyes look there first anyway, right? We should go back to the way they did it in the old days. Right off the jump, here's who this is from, right? And we already know who it's from. It's from Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus is writing this letter. But I want you to look at the signature he uses. He doesn't sign the letter, Jesus Christ. He doesn't sign the letter, son of God. Look how Jesus signs the letter. Look what it says. First and the last who died and came to life. He signs the letter, the first and the last. That's not his rapper name, kids, right? That'd be a sick rapper name. Yo, first and last, about to drop that hard album, right? This is not his rapper name. He's called the first and the last who died and came to life because he literally rose from the dead. Time out, Sam. Time out, Sam. Like, time out, Sam. Literally. He literally rose from the dead. Like, welcome to citizens. 
We're intellectuals, we're smart, we love people, we also believe in the literal resurrection from the dead. But I thought Jesus like just rose in our hearts, you know? Like he's alive in you and in me. No, central to Christianity is the belief that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. They killed him to try to stop him. Like think about this, Jesus is walking around and these dudes hate him, right? And so they, they, they hate him. They say, you know what? We're going to intimidate him. Keeps going. He kept going. We're going we're gonna to try to discredit him. He kept going. We're going to try to confuse him. He made them look silly. And then he kept going. He couldn't stop Jesus. And so they said, you know what? All right, all right, all right, all right. It's time to end this. This is going on too long. We're going to finish him. We're going to end him. We're going to kill Jesus. And so they put him six feet in the ground. That should do it, right? That should end this Jesus mania. They put him six feet in the ground. And then he rose from the dead and kept going. Friends, this is what we believe. We believe literally that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That should have been the end of his mission, but he rose from the dead and kept going. In other words, Jesus has dominated death. <laughs> Why don't we just talk about happy things here? Like this is literally, like you can't be a Christian if you do not understand what makes us unique. We believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He dominated death. That's why his nickname, <laughs> that's why his email signature doesn't say sincerely the Messiah. He said like here, he's like sincerely the first and the last. Sincerely the one who was here from the very beginning and the one who will be here at the very end. Meaning the one that you can't end. I will always be here, Jesus Christ. Drop the mic. Even in the face of death, you can't end him. They gave him his wor their worth shot and even death can't touch him. You know, you know what, I, when I first wrote my message, I said, Jesus beat death. That's not strong enough. You can beat cancer. You can beat death. You can beat death and live for another 20 years and live a long life. And people will say you beat death, but you'll die again. Jesus didn't beat death to live for another 10 to 15 years. He dominated it because he rose from the dead never to die again. Jesus dominated death he, in his face. You can't touch him. And so he's writing this letter to Smyrna and he signs it. The first and the last. The one who died and came back to life. That's his email signature here. And you know why? Because Jesus is going to reveal himself in the terms that that church needs him. He reveals himself this way because the church in Smyrna, they need to hear right now from the one who conquered death. He signs the letter this way because the church in Smyrna, they need to hear right now from the first and the last because of what they're going through, which we'll get to in a moment. They need to hear from the one who conquered death. And I wonder here tonight, bring it in citizens, bring it in. I wonder how many students here, we see the first and last, I wonder how many students need to hear from the one who conquered death. Maybe you came here tonight to hear from Sam. Oh my gosh, you gotta come hear my youth pastor. He's like so crazy and he does these voices and like, he'll make you laugh a little bit. Maybe, <laughs> I mean, I never do voices. 
Seriously, right? You came for the wrong reason. Maybe some of you came here tonight because you wanted to see your friend. And you're like, bro, I haven't seen you in like a minute, so we should like connect at Citizens tonight. Maybe you came to connect. But I wonder if you're here, whether you know it or not, some of you are here because you need to hear from the one who conquered death. Some of you guys are going through things right now that feel like they're overwhelming. Some of you guys are going through things for the first time in life where you're like, I don't know how to navigate this. I feel like this is going to dominate me. I feel like I'm drowning. And maybe you, student, need to hear from the one who death couldn't even touch. And so if he dominated death, the thing that's facing you, he's able to handle it. He signs his name as the one who died and came back to life, the one who dominated death because his church needed to hear from the one who dominated death. And so we're about to see what situation they were in that necessitated a letter from the one who dominated death. Let's see what he's going through, okay? Let's see why they needed to be reminded that he is, oh my gosh, he's undefeated. We just came from camp, right? Undefeated. Jesus Christ is undefeated. Some of you guys tonight need to be reminded that the one that you follow is undefeated, invincible, immortal, eternal, (laughs) Some of you guys need to be reminded that as a Christian, the things that you're going through that you can't shake, he's so much stronger than those things. And so perhaps tonight, as you have a fresh picture of Jesus, you'll be encouraged as you realize, oh, wait, 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 this thing can't dominate me. He dominated death. What else is there? So let's look what the church in Smyrna is going. Let's see what they're facing that required a letter from the first and the last. Not the rapper, Jesus Christ. Look at it, verse nine. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Students, you know what the church at Smyrna is about to learn? They're about to learn that the world despises God's people. The world despises God's people. This is not a very encouraging letter. Jesus, come on now. He's telling the truth. He's telling the truth. They have it bad, guys. The church at Smyrna, life is hard for them. And it's not because the economy crashed. It's not because things are tight at home. They are suffering as a direct result of following Jesus. They've surrendered their lives to him. They have gotten baptized. And now as a result of that decision, it's costing them everything. Look what it costs them. Look what he says. He says, I know your tribulation. You guys know what tribulation means? Extreme suffering, tremendous suffering. I know your tribulation. He says, I know your poverty. Whoa, it's about to get for real. The fact that they follow Jesus, it's now even affecting their financial situation. Their economic status is now being hurt, not because of the color of their skin, not because of their last name, not because of any of those things. It's because they follow Jesus. And yet look what Jesus says to them. He goes, in reality, even though your bank account is zero, you're actually richer than anyone will ever understand because you have found the treasure of great price, the pearl of great price. You follow Jesus Christ and he's better. And so you are more rich than you could ever imagine, even though you're experiencing poverty right now. 
Look at the next one. This one really hurts. I read this and I was like, oh, snap. It's true. Not only are they experiencing tribulation, not only are they experiencing poverty, they're also experiencing slander from who? From those who say that they're Jews and are not. <laughs> like, dude, I expect to receive opposition from people outside the church, right? Like, like, I expect the world to hate me. I expect Nero to give my family a hard time. What I don't expect are people who say they love God but really don't. And they're giving them a hard time even. People who say that they love God and that they're children of God, but they're so evil that even Jesus Christ looks at them and he goes, not mine. <laughs> Those are not my kids. Those are Satan's kids. He says they call themselves Jews, but they're actually part of the synagogue of Satan. Yo, these people got it bad. There's no way around it. They got it bad. It gets even worse. Look what he says. He goes, some of you are about to be thrown into prison. So the very few possessions that you do have are about to be taken from you and you're about to be jailed. All of this because they follow Jesus. Some of these people are about to be killed in this season. You have to understand that. He says that you're gonna have tribulation for 10 days. And some of you are like, well, that's not that bad. Just take a week off. No, no, this is not literally 10 days. Remember the numbers from Revelation. 10 is the smallest unit of a season of time. He's basically saying for a period, for a season. It's, it's 10 days for a season. It's a short amount of time, a season. When you get later in the book, and he says a thousand years. That's a way of saying a long time. No, no, 10 days, a season of time. But in this season, it's gonna be hard. And in this season, some of you will die because you're Christians. Jesus warns us that this would happen. Do you know that? Like some of you, I recognize, I actually see a lot of your faces. Some of you have been baptized in the last year. Some of you are new to the church. You're new to Christianity. And this may be the first time that you're hearing, wait a minute, why would Jesus allow his people to have such a hard time? He actually warned us about this. Look what he says to his disciples. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. He says, of course they're gonna hate you. They hated me and you're my followers. What else would you expect? And so yes, they have it bad. Yes, the world hates them. Yes, they are about to go through hell and back because they follow Jesus. Are you kidding me? Yes, they have it bad but I want to show you a little piece of comfort before we even go on. I can't even camp here. Like it hurts my heart. Even seeing some of your faces, you're like, whoa, this is real life. Yes, it's real life. But I want to give you even a little piece of comfort before I move on here, okay? Even in the midst of all of this hell, look what Jesus says to them. Look what he says to them. First two words, read them. Read them out loud. Read them louder. Read them. I know. He says, you guys are having tribulation. You're, having, you're experiencing poverty. You're gonna be slandered. You're gonna be thrown into prison because you follow Jesus. But I want you to know something, church. I know. What comfort, right? What comfort to know that Jesus Christ sees you and what you're going through. 
What comfort to know that Jesus is not ignorant to the struggles that you have right now. He's not ignorant to your sufferings. How many of you know that Jesus is not confused by the mask that you put on? <gasps> he knows about the mask? I thought I was so good. Yes, I know about the mask. You laugh. You know what I'm talking about. You come to youth group. You're in the car and you go, <gasps> hey, what's up, bro? Yeah, things are good. Oh yeah, Fortnite, yeah, let's distract yourself. Deterring from real things, Fortnite, yeah, rah, rah, right? And you guys play the game, dude. I know it. I see through your little thin mask where you act like everything is good. You act like you're the king of the world. You act like nothing is overwhelming to you. But Jesus knows. He sees you guys. He's not ignorant. And so we can be comforted. We can be comforted by the fact that he knows where you're at. Jesus sees you. And he understands. He understands. So let's keep going here, okay? These people have it bad. The world hates them. But remember, this is why Jesus Christ is writing to them as the one who conquered death. They are about to be killed. This is why Jesus Christ is writing to them as the one who is the first and the last. He was here before everything. He'll be here after everything. He has dominated death. And so he has something to say to these people. He says, Smyrna, I know that you're experiencing persecution. Citizens, I know you may be experiencing persecution, but here's what I'm calling you to do. Here's what I'm calling you to do, church. Here's what I'm calling you to do. Last, few, last verse here. Be faithful unto death. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear. If you have an ear, raise your hand. Boom, hear this. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You're like, I don't have one, I have two. Trick question. You're too smart for me. The one who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Friends, the world despises God's people, but here's why Jesus Christ writes, this is a call to be faithful and fearless. Faithful and fearless. Oh, silly typo. Faithful and fearless. He already said to them, don't fear. And now he says to them, be faithful. Stay on the road. Don't be deterred. Don't let them scare you. Don't let them intimidate you. Don't let them convince you that it's not worth it. Be faithful and be fearless. You know why you can be fearless, students? Because what's the worst that they can do to you? <laughs> Literally, like, what's the worst that they can do, you, do to you? Like, we're going to punch you in the face. Rah! That's not working. We're going to put you in prison. Rah! Still not working. We're going to take his life. Yeah. Where have we seen this before? They did it to Jesus. How'd that work out? He kept going. He says, be fearless and be faithful even to the point of death, because what's the worst that they can do to you? They can kill you? If you remain faithful, you will never experience the second death. You will not be hurt by the second death. <gasps> Whoa, theology alert. What is the second death, Sam? Asking for a friend. <laughs> Let me tell you for your friend. The second death means this, right? All of us will experience the first death, the destruction of our bodies. You will die, right? 
You will die. Your body will decay someday. Like, he is so rude. Yeah, honey, you're dying. <laughs> we used to sing, <laughs> we're so dumb. In high school, we would, uh, we would sing happy birthday. You guys know like the, the happy birthday death version? You don't know that one? Instead of singing it like, happy birthday to, you'd be like, happy birthday to you. And then we like, I forget the words. It was like, another year closer to death. Happy birthday to you. We were so dumb. And then like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we thought we were so funny. We were just so dumb. Be comforted. The things that you think are funny right now, you will look back one day and go, we were so dumb. One day I will look back on this moment and realize I was so dumb. Oh, But that's what we would do, right? We would joke about it because we know that everyone experiences the destruction of our bodies. But here's the question. Even after your body is gone, what about your soul? Even after your body, rhetorical question, buddy. Even after your body is gone, what about your soul? And here's what Jesus has to say about that. Here's what he means by the second death. He says this to his disciples in Matthew. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Don't fear people. Don't fear other human beings because all they can do is kill your body, but they can't kill your soul. Students, hi, my name is Sam. I don't, I'm not scared to die. Like, I'm not scared to physically die. I mean, like, not right now, right? Like, the middle schoolers are, get up! No, like, not now, right? I got a lot of years on this body, right? I got low mileage here, right? I got places to be, people to see. I'm not dying yet, all right? But if it were to happen, I'm not scared of dying physically. I'm not scared of dying physically. I'm more concerned about what happens to my soul. I'm more concerned about what's going to happen for the rest of eternity, that's what he's talking about. And those who follow Jesus, they don't need to fear what happens to their body because the thing that will last forever, your soul, he says, I'm gonna give you the crown of life. I'm going to give you eternal life, eternal life. And so I can be faithful and fearless because though they may kill my body, they cannot destroy my soul. And that's what he's talking about here. He goes, they, you can't even be touched. You will not be hurt by the second death. In other words, the one who overcomes in the face of death cannot be touched by the sting of death. The one who overcomes in the face of death can't be touched by the sting of death. Students, even if they kill your body, they can't destroy your soul. You will have eternal life. And then it gets even crazier. It gets even better. Because this is more than like, oh man, they beat my body, but at least my soul's alive. No, 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 guys. Remember, Jesus dominated death. So check this out. Yes, they may kill your body. Your soul will live on. But then look how Jesus asserts his dominance again. Jesus, you're dominant. Thank you, Lord. Look what we see here. Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Let me explain what that means. It means that it gets even better. Not only will you have eternal life, but Jesus will once again dominate death when he raises your physical body. 
We believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead physically. Do you know that we also will be raised from the dead physically? We're not some soulish, for all of eternity we worship God, too bad they took our bodies. (laughs) We will get new bodies. Everybody say, upgrade. Upgrade. Believe it. You know that little thing that goes, every time you like wake up in the morning, upgrade. You know how I can't dunk a basketball? Upgrade. I'm getting that supernatural body, dog. We're going, we're going to have new bodies. Why? Because Jesus dominated death. What's the worst they can do to you? <laughs> Kill you? The one we serve conquered death. What's the worst they can do to you? What's the worst the world can do to you? Threaten death? We don't even scare. It's like a bee without a sting. What good is a bee without a sting? They're dead. Exactly. Jesus removed the stinger from death and all it can do is threaten. And you just go, but when I serve, conquer death. So even if you kill my body, I have the crown of life, I have eternal life and oh yeah, I'm getting an upgrade anyway. Glory to Christ. Because the one who overcomes in the face of death cannot be touched by the sting of death. So now, listen, listen, we're gonna end. Listen, listen, listen. I'm not a huge gamer, okay? I dabble. I toggle the knobs. You know what I'm saying? As we say in the biz. I may not have many, many squad goal, no, uh, uh, squad victories, uh, solo campaigns. Fortnite, Fortnite. Yo, what about that screen, that new skins? Four, season four? Whoa, crazy, huh? You can play as Thanos, right? Yeah, I know about it. I dabble, okay? I'm not a huge gamer, but here's what I do know. I'm not a huge gamer, but here's what I do know. If you cannot die, you just broke the game. (laughs) Hear me out, hear me out. Like, (laughs) I'm not a gamer, so I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, Taylor Hoffman, but like, like, if you cannot die you kind of like, it's OP. You broke the game. Like, there's nothing to fear anymore. There's no more bush camping. There's no more tentativeness. There's nothing to fear. You're literally invincible. You're literally invincible if you can't be killed. In the same way, friends, Jesus is saying this to you. He goes, you can't be killed. What is there to fear? Death cannot touch you. What is there to be afraid of? What's the worst that they can do to you? What's the worst they can do to you? You serve the one who dominated death. You are guaranteed eternal life. Therefore, be faithful and be fearless. Be faithful and be fearless. In other words, overcome overcome even in the face of persecution, students. Overcome even in the face of opposition. Overcome even when people threaten you. And listen, you may not be threatened with death, but it's still real to you in that moment, isn't it? There's a reason why fear of death is not the number one fear in America these days. Because there's things that feel even worse than death to students at times. Not having friends. People rather die than go to school and not have a single friend. 
being talked about behind your back. These are things that make you feel like you're dying at times. And I'm telling you this, that when you suffer for the sake of Christ, what's the worst they can do to you? So here's how we're gonna respond to it. I'm gonna show you a video to bring us back to the 21st century, to remind us of what is happening in the world all around us. And then I'll come up here and explain to you how we're gonna respond tonight. Let's check it out. The one who overcomes in the face of death can't be touched by it. This is a call to faith. A call to courage. Because wherever the gospel is preached, wherever Jesus is proclaimed, people react. Hearts respond. Some in faith. Others in fear. Some are inspired to love. Others are provoked to anger. Some join us into following Jesus. Others rise up against us. Then we turn to God in prayer. Standing firm in our faith. And not giving in to fear. We put our trust in God to enable us to preach the word with great burdens. We live the story of our Savior, the story of our family throughout history, and throughout the world today. Despite opposition, the gospel is preached. The kingdom advances, the church grows. And in our heart, suffering produces perseverance, character, and hope. Our eternal joy outweighs our brief pain. We are the comforted who give comfort. We are the weak who become strong. We are the persecuted church. 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 One with Christ. Right there, keep that verse up there. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna remember those in prison. We're gonna remember those who are being mistreated as if we ourselves are being mistreated. And so here's what we're gonna do for the next 15 minutes. We're gonna pray, okay? We're gonna pray for those pastors in storage containers. We're gonna pray for those families who have lost their husbands and fathers. We're gonna pray for Christians who are underground, living lives of suspicion and fear because they never know if the person they're talking to is really trying to figure them out as a spy. And we're gonna stand in solidarity with these Christians. As part of the family of God who has been persecuted for, throughout all of history. And so here's what we're gonna do. As the band plays for the next 15 minutes, I want you guys to get into groups of four here. And you guys, and you can stand up. I actually want us to stand up. I want us to move around. I want you to get into pockets. And I want you to pray your guts out. That's what I want us to do. I want us to pray that God, not that God would stop the persecution, because here's the funny thing. When you talk to people who are being persecuted, they never say, please pray for it to stop. I've heard this with my own ears. They say, don't pray for it to stop. It's actually to our joy. It's actually a privilege to know that we get to suffer in the same way that Jesus Christ suffered. I don't get it. You know how they ask you to pray? They say, pray that we would have the strength and the resolve to be faithful. Pray that we would have the strength and the resolve to not recant in a moment of weakness. Mm -hmm.